I'm Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Part two of my conversation with Manny Faces of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. But before we get to the interview, I just want to give a quick welcome to our new listeners and followers. I'm really glad you're here. And I have a couple of requests to ask. First, if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you would. Also, I'd really like to know who's listening. So if you could fill out a brief survey, you can find it at lizsumner.com slash survey. And if you're really a fan, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash always wanted. Thanks so much for listening. Here's the interview. You're making it sound very fascinating, but I have some some misunderstandings, some biases I want to ask you about. Please. So one one thought is that there's a lot of music that is not pro-woman. Yes. How is that still the case? Uh, sure. There's still some uh, of that in, in hip hop, just as there is that in country music and just in, as there is, uh, in that murderous, uh, style of music called opera. Uh, so there, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, that's, that's, that's an issue. I think, look, and, and this is not to say that these things don't exist in, in hip hop music and culture. Uh, mm -hmm. Hip hop culture is weird because it's sort of an amalgamation of a bunch of different cultures, right? So, uh, of course, primarily uh, from black and brown communities, African American, Hispanic Americans that created hip hop and get all the credit and, and nothing should be taken away from that. But also those communities come in with uh, certain, uh, you know, their own cultural uh, things. And, you know, the church in general, you know, it has been misogynistic, has been patriarchal, has been, you know, and I'm not saying the black church, I'm saying the church, all churches, to be honest, like most of them. Uh, so if your art is a reflection of, of life, then a lot of those things are going to uh, trickle in. And again, because hip hop is always, rap music has always been sort of for young people, young African American, Hispanic people, uh, even poor people, look at look at Eminem, poor white people in America. It's because of its lucrative nature. The you know the stars, the 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 ability to become a star. You know the uh, the low barrier entry. To be honest, mm -hmm. it's, it's what mm -hmm. made uh, hip hop so great. Is that you didn't need all the musical instruments. You didn't. You just needed your voice. You just needed to be be a rapper, or you just needed a, a turntable. You didn't need like you know a record, a, a radio station worth of equipment that made it very aspirational for a lot of people. So if a artist would be very successful and just so happened to be spewing misogynistic lyrics, violence-filled lyrics, uh, you know, I'm a drug dealer, I'm a gangster, I'm a killer, I'll, you know, I'll smack this woman. You're now looking at that person as a, as a role model, not for life necessarily, hopefully, because I think your life circumstances will dictate more what you do than a song or two on the radio. Mm -hmm. uh, but as an artist, as, as an aspiring artist, someone who's looking to get out of the hood, someone who's looking to get out of their, you know, bad financial or, you know, uh, bad societal situation mm -hmm. that they've been placed in through systemic racism and all the things. But nonetheless, 
and rap is the way out, just like basketball and sports. And, you know, it was always pitched as this way out of the ghetto, way out of the hood, all these, you know, very narrow minded, you know, but effective messages because you'll see millionaires that are playing basketball. You'll see millionaires that are rap artists. And if the rap artist is a millionaire, you can't play basketball like, like the NBA player. You can't play football like the NFL player, but you can rap. So maybe I have to mirror what I'm hearing because that's the kind of, that's who gets the record deals. And for a good time, that was facilitated by the record labels. They, oh, this guy sells and he's talking all this junk. Then let's just get more folks that are selling and talking all this junk. And when it comes to women, let me get the most, you know, provocative, uh, you know, sex oriented woman, because that's what worked before. But uh, a, a friend, artist friend of mine, Homeboy Sandman reminds people, Outcasts albums, I think, and uh, forget Eminem, because that's problematic too. But Outcasts is one of the greatest selling groups of all time. And they weren't that so it's not that it doesn't sell. The question is, why do the the people with the purse strings mm -hmm. decide that this is the way to go? And when you do that, I think you do influence you negatively influence young people in a number of ways. And I does I do think it spills into their lifestyle. And I think that's you know obviously we we don't ignore that. And we think it's one-sided, which is why we advocate for all these other things. Like, yes, of course, if I only showed you, if the only TV show you ever watched was Cops, I don't know if you guys <laughs> have Cops, you know, you would think that every black person's a criminal, every poor white guy's on meth, and that's your exposure to it. You wouldn't know anything else about anything. Mm -hmm. So it does come to exposure. Uh, you know, young kids before the last few years, if that's what's on the radio and that's how they're told, you know, your culture is telling you to be, then you, that's that's what you're going to parrot and mimic and, and in some ways, you know, model your lifestyle after. But I would argue that large but not exclusive tip of the iceberg is hiding what hip hop culture really does, what really can give you, which, again, when used in the right way can do all of the things that counter the things you're talking about. So yes, there's music that, that, that is, you know, derogatory towards women. Do you know how much music celebrates women? Do you know how much music out people are making music that celebrate black women who obviously are, you know, at the brunt of some of the negative, you know, music, Do you know, how Kendrick Lamar album won a Pulitzer prize, you know? So yes, that exists. And yes, no one's really happy about it. The other thing that the other thing that someone points out, to, I think Dr. Bettina Love, who's a hip hop based educator, and writes about abolitionist teaching, uh, trying to you know change the the school districts from teaching you know sort of in a white supremacist kind of way, um, says mm -hmm. some of that negativity is actually you can actually gain information from that. So there's two things. Uh, someone says uh, someone says it's been it's sort of a memeified idea that. In our days, we would rap about selling drugs. Now kids rap, <laughs> kids rap about taking drugs. <laughs> Which some of the, you know, and I, okay, yeah, I see that. You know, there's a whole kind of sub-genre of, of hip-hop and rap that's sort of, you know, influenced by, you know, taking Xanax and you know, all these kind of uh, terrible things that are affecting society. But 
what that should tell you, just like the drug dealing raps told you before, that there was this entire ecosystem of, of a drug dealing economy and crack epidemic was rifling and destroying these communities. Like that's, did you, did you get the message that these guys are criminals from that? Or did you get these, the message that these guys have absolutely no options, uh, are finding any way they can, including having to poison their own communities because otherwise they'll get killed. I mean, there's others, there's depth to what you're hearing as well. And if young people are taking are making songs about taking drugs and being depressed and young people are listening and, as you say, relating to songs about taking drugs and being depressed. If you don't recognize that that means that young people of a certain age and a certain cultural you know, uh, affiliation are having horrible mental health problems that need to be addressed, you know, or you could say, oh, oh this is just drug rap. These kids are crazy. Mm. Okay. Let's, 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 you know, let's decide. So yes, there are negative, for lack of better term, influences or negative imagery or messaging in, in rap. But really the problem is not that they exist because I'm not a censorship guy. If you want to talk junk, talk your junk. The, the problem is the, the lack of perceived balance and for every song that has one of those messages, I could find you one, if not more that don't, they're just not on the radio. And the goods, again, quality, all that, you know, it's subjective, I understand, mm -hmm. but they're not on the radio. They're not being perceived. And this conversation that we're having, anyone might listen to this is like, I never even heard about hip hop being used to improve children in school. That's the problem. Not that the songs exist, not that negative imagery and messaging exists. Cause again, country music, opera, church, families, you know, you know, regular life. We all have these biases and these, uh, and again, the way outsiders look at rap, negative, horrible talk, negative drugs, violence, women, sex. Yeah, absolutely. But we would be remiss if we just like looked at blockbuster films and ignored documentaries. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? These super glorified, you know, uh, big budget productions without looking at like real life and the rest of the film spectrum and indie films mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, and comedies and, you know, and, and I, I, so I look at rap the same way. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So you have definitely convinced me on the cultural side, but melodically, mm -hmm. uh, now I'm an old fart and I, uh, I grew up with uh, the great American songbook and I'm a singer and, and I love, I love that stuff. And I don't hear melodies right uh, so help me get over that in order to appreciate uh, hip-hop absolutely um i've been having this conversation with my i had this conversation with my dad 20 years ago and and it's there are music i've interviewed a couple of music folk that are so good at the inner working like if you're a music person they will explain it all a lot better than i could with all the technicalities but I'll give you a few anecdotal ways I look at it. First of all, you probably haven't heard enough rap. I'm sure that's true. So, you know, and that's fine. Uh, and that's, you know, respectful. A lot of rap was built off of samples, which were sampling and, and looping music from the past, from the 70s, 60s, from different genres. But primarily the soul, a lot of jazz stuff has been looped and, and brought in. A lot of producers would would very in a savvy way uh, stack 
different samples on top of each other, perhaps from different songs, from different genres, from different you know artists, from different times. If a song had a melody when it was originally created, and then we sample that song and we use that loop as the basis of a new song, there's still a melody there. It didn't go away. Okay. So, so then the the melody is done by the instruments, which is the samples, but the the rapper, the the voice, doesn't carry the melody in any way. Well, both. So, oh, okay. So I think I think some. I think some. I think, and again, this actually goes into like some of the changes over the years, and we talk about a little bit uh, more modern way of of doing rap music. There's a little bit more sing songy nature. There's different uh, flows and different cadences, and and some of that does kind of mirror. Again, we talked about Rakim, who uh, maybe lo- uh, rapped over rather simplistic loops. If you you know, they weren't orchestras. Uh, there were simplistic loops that were taken from, you know, maybe a, a 70s soul sample or something like that. But his, but his, 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 the nuance in how he would, would, would rap, uh, was melodic, uh, you know, again, mirrored after jazz and improvisation. Now his tone may not change, you know, again, the, the technicalities of it, but let me go on to say, not only do we have samples that we're sampling actual music, it's not like, uh, so, so some folks, my, my dad used to have this argument because he would know the very early, you know, raps, which were very drum heavy and synth sounds and, mm-hmm. and, and nothing else. But again, as you go f- forward through the years, the sampling, the bringing in of different genres, jazz, you know, soul samples, uh, rock and roll and you know, all these things that were sampled and brought in. And then you'd build off of those things. However, then you move on to groups that are actually playing original music. And again, some of this doesn't make it to the radio. This is not always, you know, a front and center thing. But if you look at artists like, you know, Anderson Pac, uh, who's a, sort of a, a blend of, of, I guess you'd say R&B uh, and rap, but also brings in rappers a lot. The Roots is, you know, has been doing rap for how many years? They're a full band. There's, they're on The Tonight Show. There's no denying their musicality as a as pro- I, I, I got to say that The Roots are probably one of the top, you know, 10 bands ever, not just hip hop bands, you know, but again, like Hamilton, hip hop bands don't start and stop with The Roots. There are tons of artists, uh, phony people. There's a lot of people, a lot of artists that are rap, they're hip hop, full bands, original music, the band called Fuse, uh, you know, independent, not superstars, not on the radio. Again, what you hear or what you're kind of exposed to tends to be formulaic, tends to be structured in a certain way that works earworms, what you hear on the radio. There might be more m- melodious sounds in, 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 in radio rap these days. I think it's, there's a genre blending that's happening with sort of R and traditional R and B sounds. Uh, well, modern R and B sounds with hip hop. So it's not so hard and rugged and gritty anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So, so even if you turn on like today's music, uh, you might find some of that, but these are all sub factions. So, you know, would, you know, would I be able to look at another genre of music and make that same comparison and say, well, you know, polka isn't, no, I mean, there's, there's melody, there's melody in all forms of music and musically that also may not, I wish I had, I got to study these folks. They, they make the argument so much better than I, but also melody is not our strong suit. That's fine. We, we may not have as much, we do, but let's say we didn't. We have more words. 
We have more concepts. We have way more, you know, uh, an analysis of life and, you know, and, and inspirational, aspirational, motivational than any other genre. So yeah, maybe, but I'd argue no, but you know, even if it, we, that wasn't our strongest suit because a lot of the artists are electronic based, uh, you know, loop based, uh, formulaic made for the radio. I named a few, I'll give you 120 more in an hour that are, you know, bands or musical or producers that make, you know, kind of music from scratch and a, a bunch of artists and producers that have used sampling to, uh, uh, in an intricate way that there's melody all through it. It's sampling other people's music that were in which melody existed. So I think that that's a valid concern up until you kind of just, uh, get exposed a little bit more. And I think most people uh, would say, and again, hip hop as music is being taught in the Berkeley uh, school of, uh, music in Boston, uh, is being, you know, uh, deciphered. Ethan Hine is a, is a, uh, a brilliant musicologist that can break down musically with, you know, turning songs into sheet music and breaking down all the things and does it with rap all the time. So trust me on this one. <laughs> I do. Um, uh, and I want you to educate me. So, so yes. help me. How, how should I begin? Who, who should I listen to hmm. first? It's, it's all very subjective. What I sure. think is good isn't necessarily what you might think is good. Uh, but this is what I did to my dad uh, when I had this conversation with him years ago. And I wish he was around today. We'd be having these, uh, these, these debates every day. Um, and matter of fact, a lot of the work I do is speaking to him. He's, he's, he passed mm -hmm. a few years ago uh, and a distinguished professor of sociology, you know, smart guy, musical background. And I began, I, I, again, this harkens back to these discussions I had with him a long time ago. So kind of everything I do is trying to still educate him. <laughs> so this, this, this comes easy to me. It depends on what you like in a way. Uh, so I knew he was a jazz guy, uh, Guru, who was an artist from a group called Gangstar. Gangstar was a very uh, successful uh, duo of sorts, a, a DJ producer and an MC. Uh, came up, you know, in, in, the, uh, in that 80s, 90s era. And, um, and he went on to produce a series called Jazzmatazz, uh, where most of the records, if not all, uh, of the singles and the songs were directly sampled from jazz. Um, and he was the kind of artist that wasn't very complex. Some would actually say monotone in his delivery. Um, so he was relatively easy listening. You didn't have to decipher his words so much. A relative newcomer, not relative, well, yeah, relative newcomer. Within last, oh, he's been doing stuff for a bunch of years. This guy named Sky Zoo from Brooklyn often incorporates jazz into his work. But he's a much more intricate lyricist. And every line he'll say sort of has a hidden meaning you, or a meaning only known to him. Like not, not thorough, he's not so cryptic, but he'll make a lot of cultural references, a lot of things that the casual listener wouldn't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking, you know, you, you know, he's talking about the strings on his Jansport. What's that? Well, Jansport backpacks were a big mm -hmm. staple in the, you know, in the communities and there were strings you put your thumbs in, you, or, you know, or you put the, you know, so there, there are all these references. It's always like weird, you know, that if you're not from Brooklyn, that grew up in mm -hmm. the eighties and nineties, you might have no, mm -hmm. but it's also, if you listen to him break down his lyrics, cause he does these little sessions where he'll say, okay, here's what I was trying to say. Here was, here's what mm -hmm. I was saying. Mm -hmm. And he breaks it all down. 
the, then there's there's this is poetry. This is I don't understand Edgar Allan Poe when I first read it, but if someone mm-hmm. teaches me the, it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. So maybe you like cryptic, you know, needing to decipher lyrics and jazz, or maybe you just want to kind of listen to you know jazz influenced hip hop, but without you know, your brain melting from trying to figure out what the guy is saying. Mm-hmm. I might point you in those two different directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, full bands, you know, again, just listen to the Roots catalog, you know, go back to the early Roots, uh, you know, uh, Do You Want More uh, is a great, you know, great place to start. Um, was that the name of the album? Uh, uh, I'm checking because it's important because it's a great starting point album. It was for me anyway. Um, so, yeah, Do You Want More? The album was Do You Want More? The Roots, 1995. Uh, this sort of seminal album from the group. Obviously, they've done so many things in the past years that you can then follow up with. Uh, again, that's a full band. Brilliant lyricism. Black Thought, the 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 guy, you know, Tariq Trotter, who's on the Tonight Show, with, <laughs> is a brilliant lyricist. Probably one of the better, well, certainly one of the better, probably one of the best lyricists against subjective. We have that top five you know talk all the time mm-hmm. uh but brilliant and if you listen to the early work it's a nice entree if you listen to the later work it's riddled with uh social justice themes and you know and a much better he's older now he's a grown man he can now analyze life a little bit better and, and mm-hmm. talk about the trials and tribulations of growing up uh you know or, or his communities or so the roots is just is brilliant and it's all and it's as musical as it gets they're a great band so again it's what you like so I would suggest uh, Google, I, I, you know, two things, Google and Spotify. So Spotify is nice because you could look up smart hip hop or hip hop bands and someone made a playlist already and it's probably a decent playlist because it'll have a okay. bunch of subscribers. So the thing you're looking for, woman positive hip hop, I'm sure it's a playlist, you know, I guarantee you it's a playlist. I, I, I can almost guarantee it, you know. Uh, social justice oriented hip hop. And that's the one takeaway I think, uh, which you may ask, you know, what's the big takeaway is that the mission is to not just look at hip hop rap as, as a monolith, just like we don't want to look at the communities from whence it comes as a monolith or any community or any culture or any genre. It's not a monolith. It, it hip hop is, I think by far the most, again, the most diverse art form or certainly musically. I just don't, you're not going to hear the subject matter in, in rock and roll. You're not going to hear it in, in pop. You're not going to hear it in country. You're not going to hear any of the world's greatest, you know, musical art forms. You're not going to hear the depth of, of, of substance that you, that you hear in rap. It's just, it's impossible. It just doesn't happen. No one's singing all these songs. Bismarcky has a song called Pickin' Boogers. Sorry. It's, you know, <laughs> you're not going to hear you know, you know, Garth Brooks doing a like. There's nobody doing a song about picking boogers, you know. But I mean, the 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 scope of of the human experience, love, death, hate, war, fear, uh, depression, uh, aspiration, imagination. You know, songs about you know going into other dimensions or other planets. There's so much. You won't hear that in, in any others are not that depth. So while we may pick out the non-melodic examples or the uh, misogynistic examples, that's that's unfair. 
That's that's not not you. I'm not you know judging. I'm generally speaking. This is the mission because our own hip hop fans, our own members of the community, they're jaded. They don't like the way the industry has taken it. They believe the same things. They're like it's gone, it's dead, it's uh, it's it's crap now. I listen to the radio. I can't stand. I don't. I can't stand what my children are listening to. Well, our parents couldn't understand what we were listening to. I mean, that's just the way of the world. So the big takeaway is, and I speak about social justice uh, because the upliftment of the communities from whence hip hop came is paramount in America right now and throughout the world. Obviously, you have different you know iterations of this, but it's it's paramount. It was the summer of revolution in America. We George Floyd protest. Everybody got up. All the people who had never even stood up before were like, oh, this is enough. I can't stand this anymore. All the, you know, liberals, white liberals came out of the woodwork and said, well, right, now is enough. Is a, uh, you guys were really serious about this police brutality thing, weren't you? <laughs> wow. I, I had no clue. And, you know, okay, great. <laughs> um, but for years, and I say it comes from our own, I criticized Questlove of the Roots back mm. in Ferguson because he went on his Instagram and said, where is the protest music? That, that concept that you go back to the 60s uh, and, you, and you hear about, you know, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan and Marvin Gaye and Janis Joplin and, you know, these, this, 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 this surge, this popularity of, of protest music, which, again, front and center, you know, on the radio, but certainly was part of the zeitgeist at the time. And, and Questlove was lamenting that, you know, in just a few years ago, Ferguson, that this wasn't a thing in music and specifically in hip hop. Again, Public Enemy, KRS-One, you think of these powerhouses that did that. And I pushed back on that and I said, you know, publicly, because I'm an advocate and I, I'm a loud mouth sometimes. And I said, that's horribly unfair to the thousands of artists that number one, have been doing protest music Tef Poe, who lived in the area, for example, but Rebel Diaz, Immortal Technique, the, the list goes on, who have been doing protest music for years before this flare-up and will be doing it for years to come. You're not mentioning them because they're not on the radio. You're, you're, uh, it's a slap in the face to the idea that this isn't being done by those artist activists that I talked about uh, who may not be very popular or be on the radio, but they're literally leading voting drives, or they're literally locking arms, shouts uh, to uh, Hassan Salam and, and rest in peace, my friend Majesty in New York, that were at the bridge blocking in protesting uh, Eric Gardner's death in Staten Island, New York, another police killing, and then doing an album release party at Webster Hall, very big venue in New York City when it was open. And instead of having, well, they had tables where you could buy their you know t-shirts, but they also had tables set up uh, from organizations like Cop Watch, which was a local-based organization that was, uh, you know, a, a grassroots organization, community organization that was against police brutality. And, and you know, they had them there at an album release party with flyers and pamphlets and sign-up sheets, uh, you know, to get involved in, in that movement. Come on, Quest. Like, Questlove is saying that this doesn't exist. We need more of the. What do you need? Like I said, we need Kanye West to make a song about racism. Like, come on, stop it. Hip-hop. This is the big takeaway. Hip hop has way more to offer humanity than songs on the radio. Yes. Yes. And 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 the quest loves of the world the, the with platforms, I've always said, you know, could help the cause a little bit by saying we need more protest artists, you know, like and then name the names I just named. That would do great 
for and you know this is i'm not picking on quest love again some of our own in my opinion some of our own cultural ambassadors also are a bit jaded uh, by you know by the the perceptions that you and i think a lot of other people far removed from from hip hop have and my job is to you know tell you otherwise <laughs> you, you do it pretty darn well. Tell me what projects you have with the uh, the center going on right now. Yeah, so uh, one that I liked, and I was leading up to it, and I lost my point, but the social justice aspect of this, we have a, a podcast called Newsbeat, which is uh, an award-winning podcast. It's a journalism podcast. It focuses on social justice issues in the United States, although some of them you could relate to if you live in other places. This podcast is very unique in that we interview activists and uh, experts and authors and other journalists about these issues. Mm -hmm. We we weave that under a, a bed of music. There's music throughout, sort of like a score, and so, like a mu mm -hmm. movie score. Uh, it's mm -hmm. It actually sets the mood a lot. And so we do this very uh, strategically and, and purposefully. And then at three points within the episode, each episode is about 20 minutes long. And at three points in the episode, that little conversation, th think of it as three acts. And at the end of each act, we have, we have invited uh, brilliant independent hip hop artists to rap 16 bars, a verse essentially, about the issue that we're talking about. Oh, wow. In that episode. Oh, that's good, yeah. And they'll, good. so they're the featured artist for the episode. So they will amplify, put an exclamation point on the subject and what we just heard the experts talking about but in a very compelling artistic, artistic way. It's unlike anything else. We like to say it's like as if uh, there's a program out here called Democracy Now. We like to say it's a Democracy Now and you know Black Thought from the Roots had a podcast baby uh, because we get to put these two worlds of journalism and, and artistry together. Uh, it's it's kind of an acclaimed thing, um, but it's very niche and and so. Uh, we enjoy doing it, and and I think that it is a perfect example of what I was saying before, where hip hop can be used in ways that we don't think of. It's not on the radio; it's literally journalism, not you know pseudo journalism, not you know storytelling. The listen to the rappers on Newsbeat, and you'll see that we're using it as journalism, uh, and and we've been you know lauded for it, which is great. Uh, the other. Uh, project that I have is Hip Hop Can Save America, which is the which is the podcast I mentioned earlier, and it, it's an interview show just like this. We, I just talk to people, all the all the people that are doing the things that I talked about. I interview them, and we, and that's how I learn about these things, and I have them speak for themselves. So we've had uh, I like to say it's the world's smartest hip hop podcast. Uh, <laughs> I've had uh, more PhDs on this hip hop podcast than probably any hip hop podcast. Uh, and again, it's teaching artists. It's people that are very much connected to the culture. Uh, I, I, you know, McCallumine, who you know teaches young people. He's a mentor. He's gone into justice systems. Uh, he works at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Uh, he's a cultural ambassador that's toured the world, uh, speaking about hip hop, teaching about hip hop. Uh, you know, so he's a he's all of these things. But he also puts out records. <laughs> he's an artist. Uh, so people like that, the leaders in the education field, uh, Genesis B, who's the we're on hiatus until March, uh, but uh, the current episode, uh, Genesis B, uh, who epitomizes that idea of community activist, artist activism. Uh, she made a lot of noise at one of her concerts a couple years ago. She's from Mississippi. And in Mississippi, the state flag uh, still has Confederate symbol on it. 
in the middle of the state flag. Now, Confederate symbolism has been widely kind of, you know, you know, it's a big thing out here. And we've mostly removed it. But to be in a court of law, for example, and, and see the state flag hanging above you, and there's a Confederate symbol, a symbol of, you know, racism and, and all these uh, terrible things, it's, it's, it needs... So there's been a hundred-year effort to change the state flag. And, and, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do in a place like Mississippi for this reason. Genesis B uh, did a protest at a concert. Again, rapper, she'd been making, I've been covering her for 10 years. But at this one concert, she held a noose around her neck, draped in the Confederate flag, made a big protest about her state, Mississippi, because the governor was, uh, had signed into a law like Confederate Heritage Month or something like that. And she said, look, this is enough is enough. We're, we can't, you know, do this. This was her protest. She threw the flag in the crowd. I think they all ripped it up or whatever. It was a big thing. Billboard published it. All these places published it. It then pivoted her to then go on the road and with a uh, with a community activism group, start being a poet laureate for uh, a group that was uh, influencing, trying to influence evangelists to vote their conscience rather than their party <laughs> throughout the United <laughs> States, throughout the last election thing. And in some ways, uh, re-energized this campaign they took a vote on it in November. State flag is being changed. Confederate symbolism removed. Now, she's not the one that did it, but she was part of that movement at the tail end Catalyst, of it. Catalyst, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it's people like that that I interview. And, and and now, finally, when this happens, she gets, you know, a bunch of press and, you know, well-deserved uh, press. But, you know, I usually get them first, let's just say. <laughs> so Hip Hop Can Save America, where we, talk, <laughs> where we talk to those folks that are doing this work, you know, and need to be recognized for it. And, 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 and that's under the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy, which is a nonprofit I'm attempting to, and I've been attempting for some time to kind of uh, institutionalize everything I'm talking about. A, a place where this kind of journalism lives, where this kind of advocacy lives, maybe a hub for information for folks to learn more about hip hop. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there are other organizations that do this. Uh, there's some historical base, you know, the history of hip hop, education. I'm trying to kind of be this hub because uh, again, I could find social justice, political, fine arts, health and wellness, and, and have it under one roof. So those are all those things. And I do a bunch of other side things, uh, uh, podcast, I have my own podcast production company, you know, uh, I'm a DJ and a public speaker. I go out and do the, you know, these talks. And so, yeah, I do some things. I can see you would be a very <laughs> successful public speaker because you are fascinating to listen to. Uh, what's you. the URL for the Center for, for Hip Hop Advocacy? Yes, hiphopadvocacy.org. Uh, it's uh, you can, And Hip Hop Can Save America is the podcast. You can go to hiphopcansaveamerica.com. It'll take you there. And, uh, yeah. and, and Newsbeat is the other, the other uh, US, podcast. U.S. Newsbeat. Uh, okay. usnewsbeat.com there's there's a bbc newsbeat that's not us uh okay. and uh, and and me com. it actually is my hub and all of these okay. tributaries shoot off from there so you could you know if you if, if you remember nothing else remember my my crazy name and find me there um anything you'd like to say in conclusion as we wrap up uh no I, again i i thank you deeply for for bringing me on i i know what it goes into this sort of thing. So I respect the podcast game and I appreciate that you, that you, uh, opened up your ear waves. Is that a word? <laughs> uh, your ear waves. I'm going to patent that. I like that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I encourage anyone listening who wants to find more. I'm very open and approachable. Uh, please reach out. Uh, and I'm glad to go into this in, in more depth. 
if something about this interests you, the musicality uh, aspect of it, um, specifically, I'll, I'll point you exactly where you need to go, and they'll break down that issue, uh, you know, a, a lot more uh, definitively. Uh, so that's you know, that's that's my goal. So if anyone, yourself included, feels like you want to know more, I am here for that. So. I am so grateful. You have really opened my eyes and ears, and um, I will begin my study based on on what you have told me about. As I say in hip hop, we have a saying: "Each one, teach one." So I appreciate uh, that. So, yeah, you're you're doing great work, and I really admire it. I I, I appreciate the appreciation. Thank you so much. <laughs> My thanks to Manny Faces. You can find out more about him in the show notes. I invite everyone to tell me what you've always wanted to try. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold, and thanks for listening. 